0: It's officially a bye week for TCU football. They are four and four. How will they bounce back in about ten days when they take on Texas Tech on a Thursday night? Uh, can they recover this season at all? Are there staff changes on the horizon? All that and more coming up next. It's Locked On Horn Frogs. You are Locked On Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Locked on Rock, Subscribe to the YouTube channel. You can also find us wherever you get podcasts in its audio form. Subscribe on those platforms as well: Apple Podcasts, Spotify, etc. Thank you to everyone who watched the post game show the other night. I know it was not uh, the most fun game to watch. TCU gets blown up by Kansas State, forty-one to three. But I really like I really like doing those. You know, so I had an interaction on Twitter with somebody. I don't have it pulled up right now, so I apologize. Whoever it was for not giving your your name or your handle out there. Uh, but they were just like, "Thanks for doing these." And, um, yeah, I like, I like doing them. I feel like it's win or lose. It's just really nice to get kind of thoughts out and, um, sort of voice whatever is, is going on in my head and hopefully communicate some of the things you guys are thinking, um, after these games, regardless of the outcome, but CC is now four and four and they have a bye week they had a little time off. Um, and, I think it comes at a good time in the season. Now, unfortunately for the frogs, like the season hasn't gone how they wanted to. So, you know, you're not talking about like a six and two team. That's getting a nice break before the stretch run. Um, Saturday night was awful. You know, they got dominated from start to finish and there have been a lot of people that have been reaching out to me or asking the question kind of openly. Okay. What happens now with this coaching staff and specifically the coordinators Joe Gillespie and Kendall Bryles moving forward, uh, it has The season hasn't gone well. Offense has struggled lately. Defense has really struggled at times. And so how does Sonny Dykes and his and the power brokers sort of handle this as we get closer to the end of the season? And the first thing I would say, you know, we saw Dan Enos at um, Arkansas get fired yesterday or on Sunday, the offensive coordinator for the Hogs. And it, it's still pretty rare to see changes like that from a coordinator position in the middle of the season. So I think anything that's going to happen is going to happen after the year. That's not me saying anybody's right or wrong for asking these questions at this point in the year, but TCU, uh, they still have a chance to get to six wins, which would put them in, in bowl eligibility. I know that's not the expectation that uh, the frogs had before the season. I'm not saying that should be the expectation. I think TCU should uh, be better than that. I think the season should have gone better than it has so far And I I really felt like Sonny Dykes was the type of coach to get them to a place where they weren't kind of in this hamster wheel of mediocrity that I was talking about, you know, during the off season, where typically like we see a TCU team, the trend lately has been if you have an experienced group, a veteran group that's at the height of their development cycle, I mean, you have a lot of juniors and seniors that have played a lot of college football, uh, then there's a chance that they're going to be good. They could push for, you know, 10 plus wins. Uh, be a contender in the big 12, be a contender in the national landscape. And if you don't, if it's a young team, if it's an experienced team, if you have, you know, a shakeup and a lot of roster turnover, then you're probably looking at a group that's fighting to get to 500. And I I was hopeful that they could shake that, you know, narrative this season, but it hasn't been the case. They replaced a lot of talent. It hasn't worked. Um, The minor coaching staff changes they've made, the results haven't been great so far. And I saw Joel Anderson say this the other day on Twitter, and Joel's a writer for um, – actually, I'm not sure where he's at now. I know he used to write for Slate, and he does really good work in like the podcast world. But he used to cover college football for ESPN, and he's a Hornfrog Frog alum, uh, played at TCU, played football at TCU. And he said one really concerning thing about uh, where TCU's at right now is they're four and four. They're the national runner-up. They're having a really disappointing season – and nationally nobody's really talking about it right like we're obviously talking about it and that's why i'd love for you guys to stay here and like listen to the local angle um because we we talk tcu athletics five six days a week but the bottom line is like you're not hearing on college ga- on college game day you're not seeing a segment like what's wrong with tcu football um you listen to college football podcast you're not you're not hearing them talk about the frogs. and i think it speaks to the fact that when tcu is not great and, and not playing well then they're just not as relevant in the national landscape. And that's the case for most college football teams. But um, I feel like it's a concerning thing for, you know, the image and the brand of this team. You want to get to a place where, I know negative attention is not great, but at least people are kind of raising their eyebrow and they're like, well, what's like, what's going on with this football team? I think, unfortunately, it says that most people thought this was where they were going or where they were headed to what could happen with this season. Um, But talking about the coordinators, I I don't think anything's going to happen until after the season. And I know everybody is upset with uh, Joe Gillespie right now. And listen, I am not going to try to give any excuses for what happened Saturday. That was a bad performance by the TCU defense. Like there's, there's no way around it. There's no way to sugarcoat it. Um, They gave up 41 points. They could have given up a lot more points than that. Like, Kansas State, they had control of that game from the jump, and they sort of took their foot off the gas. But I talked about Saturday, and those first three drives, the Wildcats faced one-third down, and it was a third and one. It didn't matter if Avery Johnson was taking snaps, if Will Howard was taking snaps. They got whatever they wanted in the run game. They threw the ball well. They did everything they wanted to on the offensive side of the ball. And it was the most inept – like, even the Colorado game – It was back and forth. It was a shootout, but I at least felt like the defense occasionally was able to kind of bow up and get some stops. The only stop I can really think of off the top of my head when the game was still um, in the balance, or at least there was a chance that TCU could come back, was that fourth down stop when I think the Frogs were up 24 to – or the uh, TCU was down 24-3. Kansas State was leading 24-3. They got a fourth down stop around midfield and gave the offense a chance to go maybe score a touchdown before halftime. And that didn't end up happening. Uh, but overall, I mean, they just got bullied And in the biggest. Um, the biggest sign of concern for me was that Kansas State just physically mauled them. You know, I, I think this has been a team for the most part that has held up OK against the run game. But they had no answer for what Kansas State was doing running the football, whether it was quarterback power, whether it was, you know, guard tackle pulling around counter stuff, um man, it was, it was a rough deal. And the way that the way that the frogs played on that side of the ball was just absolutely unacceptable. There's, there's no way around it. I will, however, say, yes, it was against offenses that are struggling and I, I could turn out to be totally wrong by the end of the year. I thought they played pretty well you know, games two through five or six or whatever, you know, there was a a stretch of four or five weeks where I felt like the defense was improving. There were still some of these same issues that we've always had with, with coach Gillespie, which is you have a three man front. It's hard to get the quarterback unless you just have really great defensive linemen who can beat double teams and our game records. And right now TCU doesn't have that. Uh, The delayed blitzes weren't really working. The discipline wasn't there. Um, but they were able to get off the field at times, you know, make plays, keep their offense in the game. They had no answer for what Kansas State was doing. And so I was just kind of doing some some digging last night, like trying to find, okay, offense and defense, what numbers do we have? And so the defense, they gave up 45 points in week one, and then six points against Nickel State, 13 against um, Houston, 17 to SMU, uh, 24 to West Virginia, 27 to Iowa State. 11 points against BYU and then 41 against K state. And so the numbers don't look terrible overall when you, when you look at it like that, but there's, there's obviously context here, right? Like the best offenses they played this year are Kansas state and Colorado. And those teams put up 40 plus against them. And really the defense didn't have much resistance in either of those ball games. Um, If you're curious, the scoring defense, they're giving up 23 points a game, which is currently 52nd in the nation. Uh, Red zone defense, teams score 81% of the time, which is 63rd in the nation. They're 22 or 27 on getting points once they get in the red zone. They are 14 or 27 um, on scoring touchdowns. So the defense has done a a decent job. You know, about 50% of the time teams are scoring touchdowns when they get the red zone. So they've been able to hold teams to three at times, but against Kansas state, that wasn't the case. I mean, K state did whatever they wanted. And when they got, you know, when they got inside the 20 inside the 10, whatever the case was, they would score a touchdown Um, and third down conversion percentage. They're giving up third downs 34% of the time, which is 74th in the nation. And I mean, 23 points a game. Like if you look at that list, the scoring defense list, Michigan's only giving up five points a game. There's, the list of the top 20 is like teams that are giving up between five and and 20 points a game and are elite. And then after that, it's kind of a wash, like 25 through 70, everybody's around 22 to 27. And it's for the most part, defenses that I think you would say are fairly mediocre. And so the numbers don't bear out that this is just a horrible defense, but I think that the issue is, when this defense has played teams that are good to elite on offense. And so you go back to the Michigan game, a really good first half against the Wolverines, but then second half things unravel on them. Um, Georgia, we know what happened there. They just get destroyed. Colorado put up 45 points. Uh, Kansas state did whatever they wanted on Saturday. And, in year two, with a lot of returners, I thought this defense could definitely be better than what they showed Saturday. But I thought they could consistently be a unit that kept their team in games. And the bottom line is they just haven't done that. When we come back, we'll talk about what the offense looks like, and we'll talk about big picture kind of what this means for TC moving forward. It's locked on Horn Frogs. Uh, it's your team, and we do it here every day. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Athletic Brewing Company. Athletic Brewing Company, they have changed the game when it comes to uh, non-alcoholic drinks, and alcoholic beverages. Um, they have completely, you know, just found a way to change everything you thought about non-alcoholic drinks. Uh, they taste good. They're full flavored, They're well-crafted. Just like a full strength beer. They have 50 styles of craft, IPAs, golden sours, and more. They're constantly releasing limited edition experimental styles to add to their variety. Our game changer of the week, because Athletic Brewing is a game changer in their industry. I couldn't pick a TCU player this week because they just didn't. Like, there was nobody. They got beat 41 to 3. Okay, just bear with me. I'm sorry. I know this locked on Horn Frogs. I'm going to go with Avery Johnson from Kansas State because he looks the part. He was incredible. As a QB, he, like Athletic Brewing Company, is a game changer uh, in the industry, in this space. It's fit for all times. You can drink it watching a game. Uh, I had one last night watching game six of Astros Rangers, game seven tonight. I'll probably have one as well. Uh, And you can find it online. You can find it at the bar and stores. Um, It's it's everywhere now, athleticbrewing.com. And use the promo code On and get 15% off your first online order. That's code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N at checkout for 15% off at athleticbrewingcompany.com. Exclusions and conditions do apply. Athletic Brewing Company, fit for all time. You see it on the screen if you're there on YouTube, athleticbrewing.com. Use that code Locked On get 15% off your first order. Okay, so what do the numbers look like offensively for TCU? and? From a points perspective, uh, they scored 42 points in in that week one game against Colorado, 41 against Nichols State, 36 against Houston, 34 against SMU, 21 against uh, West Virginia, 14 against Iowa State, 44 against BYU, and then three points on Saturday. So, I mean, besides that BYU game, since the SMU game, you have just seen a complete fall off a cliff for this offense. Uh, getting shut out in the second half against West Virginia, only 14 points against Iowa State. Of course, Chandler Morris goes down in that ball game. They transition to Josh Hoover. They have a nice game against BYU where they score 44 points, and then they follow that up with a really rough performance against um, Kansas State. This offense is bad. The offensive line is not very good. They weren't able to protect Chandler or they weren't able to protect Josh Hoover, excuse me, in that game against Kansas State they're really struggling to run the ball right now as the schedule's gone on and gotten tougher they just can't really move these you know good defensive linemen and front sevens that they have faced um and then also like in this in this game against um Kansas State one thing that really played out was just the fact that i mean you get down 14 nothing early you got a young quarterback on the road it's a tough task but the fact that they couldn't even – I mean, they couldn't even score in garbage time. Like, late in the ballgame in the fourth quarter, when the game was at hand, they couldn't put a drive together. Got near the goal line um, late in the fourth quarter. We're calling timeouts to try to just get, like, a sad touchdown at the end of the ballgame and couldn't even do that. They totally discombobled. And when we're talking about Kim Bryles, I mean, like, we, we'll take – and I'm not dismissing this at all, but I'm, I'm trying to just assess, assess the on-the-field product. Like, yeah, Sonny Dykes made a controversial hire. He hired someone that a lot of people were out on from the beginning. And uh, they haven't done a good job. Like, the offense has been bad. And this has been the most dumbfounding thing to me. Like, I thought the defense would be good. But historically, Sonny Dykes has not had a team that can't score. Like, this is what he does. So I'm more disappointed in the offense because, like, this is what they're supposed to do. I have an issue with Joe Gillespie's style and with the bend-but-don't-break mentality that he brings to the table. But his defense is supposed to be complemented by an offense that can function well and can score a lot of points. And so if you, know, if you give up yards, but if you force field goals, if you get key stops, if you can kind of adjust during the game like we saw last year, then it, it's, it can be successful. But it's not the case this season because the offense is also not holding up they're into the bargain. And, like, there's reasons as to why the offense struggle. The offensive line having a hard time, That's, I mean, that's a legitimate reason. Like, if you can't block, there's not a lot you can do. And they haven't been able to run the ball effectively lately. They couldn't protect Josh Hoover in pass protection on Saturday. And so that limits a lot of the things you can do offensively. You got a young quarterback back there now. Um, and really – I mean, even though Chandler had been around forever, you also had a guy that started the season that didn't have a lot of collegiate starts under his belt. A ton of roster turnover um, and guys that you kind of counted on to step up and play really well that are newcomers just haven't – either haven't seen the field or when they are on the field, haven't been super effective. You know, we've seen flat – like we've seen flashes from Dalen Wright. We've seen flashes where we see the the big frame and the ability to go up into the football and get yards after the catch. We've seen uh, flashes from flash, Jalen Robinson making contested catches, you know, breaking tackles, uh, moving the chains, getting things done, showing that speed, but it hasn't been consistent. Uh, Savion Williams has gotten more consistent as the years gone on, but it hasn't really come together like we thought it would. J.P. Richardson has been the guy that has sort of um, held up so far, but, again, like – He he's dealt with some injuries as well, and that receiver room as a whole has just not been nearly as good as we thought going into the season. Uh, They still don't have an identity. Steven Johnson from the Fort Worth Star-Telegram wrote a really good column on Sunday. Just talking about how we're eight games in. We don't know what this team does well on offense. Like, for the first half of the year, it was running with Amani Bailey. That's kind of changed. Um They went with a whole new approach with Josh Hoover against BYU. It worked. It didn't work against Kansas State. So now now you have a bye week, and where do you go from here? And the situational play calling has just been bad. Like, I understand why they have been reluctant to run the ball in short yardage because the O-line is is just not very good. They're not getting a lot of push to the point of attack. And, you know, when you spread teams out in short yardage situations like that, you're giving up the numbers advantage. Like, you're not going to have the – the advantage blocking um, in the box. And so that makes it difficult for, for you to get yards. Now, I did like, I mean, I said this Saturday, I liked bringing Trace Anderson as a fullback or up back and kind of giving him a quick carry under center. I thought that was cool. But then a few plays later, they were a screen to him, which I didn't really understand at all on third and five. And then on fourth and two, they run a, a slant to Savion where it looked like, I mean, either Josh got locked in on that read or it was just a one read play but it wasn't even close. I mean, the corner got inside leverage and broke it up. And the red zone offense has been just atrocious. And so let's look at the numbers here. Scoring offense, they're scoring 29 points a game, which is 61st in the nation. Um, They're 127th in the nation in red zone offense. 65% success rate. So they've been down there 32 times. They've scored on 21 of those opportunities. uh, And they've gone 15 of 32 scoring touchdowns. 44% on third down, which is uh, 34th in the nation. 127th in the nation in red zone efficiency. So when they get down in the red zone, they're just not guaranteed to get points. Not even close. 65% success rate in scoring points. And then about 50%, a little under 50%, in scoring touchdowns. And when you can't – like settling for field goals is bad enough that when you can't get any points on the board – there's just real no way – there's really no way uh, to um, continue to have success and to win these football games. And so I'm not sure how is going to assess these guys at the end of the season. I mean, Joe Gillespie, this is two years now. I don't think the defense has improved this year, which is what we had hoped for. Um, and then the offense hasn't held up there into the bargain. Now, I, I mean, I think with Kendall – there's a chance that he looks at this and says, well, it's one season. You know, we didn't have the personnel that we kind of envisioned going into the year or the personnel didn't produce like we envisioned going into the year. Uh, And so he, maybe he gets another opportunity to like uh, to show that he can do this. But I think whatever you feel about, about coach Bryles and just how he got here in his history, Like, we can all agree, so far this has been a disaster. Like, the offense has just not been good. And the defense was a disaster on Saturday. I think they've been more consistent this year, but it's been primarily against bad offenses. The good news is we got four more games to kind of continue to let this play out and see how it goes. But a rough game for both coordinators on Saturday. And honestly, you know, it starts with head coach too. Like, what's happening – at at the top of the leadership chain that is not filtering down to the rest of the team or is filtering down. And Sonny said, you know, Sonny said multiple times he didn't really expect this. He didn't know what to do like post-game press conference quotes after you get beat are never like fans are never going to be happy with what they hear. You get beat by 38 points. There's nothing that you can say that is going to help people feel better, but I will say he does look pretty at a loss right now, which is not, which is not a good thing. And Vincent Pryor mentioned uh, after the post game show like, there's no leadership on this team, and yeah, I mean that's true. Like there doesn't appear to be people that are stepping up and taking charge and taking control of what has become a lost season now. And I don't have a great answer for that. They had leadership last year. Now I'll also say I think it's easier to lead when you're winning, right? Like I, I feel like when there there are challenges when you're winning, not reading your headlines, not getting overconfident, keeping the focus on what's in front of you, but Nobody has stepped up and been like, okay, we gotta, we got to put our fist on the table here and just, like, draw the line in the sand and get this done. Or at least, you know, not that we've seen or we haven't seen a huge change. So Texas Tech here in a couple of weeks, when we come back, uh, we got some kind of notes around TCU Athletics. That's coming up here on Locked on Horn Frogs. Prize picks. If you want to get involved in the daily fantasy world – Prize picks is the place to go. Uh, it's the most fun I've ever had kind of betting and trying to make money on NFL football. It's it's resets weekly, so you don't have to worry about, man, what's my team look like? What's the waiver wire IR? Where are the injuries at? Uh, you can do quick withdrawals, easy gameplay. They have an enormous selection of players and stat types. Um, you can go on prize picks, and for instance, you can pick like, okay, is Saquon Barkley going to go for more than 60 yards? Is Patrick Mahomes going to throw for more than two touchdowns? Um, Odell Beckham Jr. for the Ravens, does he have over 50 yards? Is Josh Allen going to throw for a couple of TDs oh, you know, on Sunday? They offer weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts. They have things like Taco Tuesday. Each Tuesday, prize picks, discounts, select player projections up to 25% to provide even more value. They now offer Apple Pay for quick and easy deposits into your account this football season. Um Go to prizepickscom slash college and use the promo code Lockdown college for a first deposit match up to $100. That's free money. prizepickscom slash college. Use the promo code Lockdown College for your first deposit match up to $100. Uh, you see it there on YouTube. PrizePix is the best place for daily fantasy gaming. prizepickscom slash college. That's the promo code. Get your deposit match today. So a couple notes here, and uh, we'll talk some recruiting right now. Recruiting segments on Locked Horn Frogs are brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. Post your job for free. LinkedIn Jobs, best place to find talent, make hires. It doesn't have to be a high-stakes proposition with LinkedIn. You can find the people you need. Talk to the right folks. LinkedIn Jobs brings you our uh, recruiting segment. TCU landed a defensive lineman from LD Bell, Tristan Johnson. He is the new commit for the 2024 class. Um he's from Hearst, Texas, 6'2, 260 pounds. Looks like this is possibly like another development project, somebody they kind of you know found um in the process that they like and they feel like could, could be a good player for them in the next few years. Tristan was originally committed to UTSA, um, and he is now committed to TCU. Had offers from uh Arizona State, Buffalo, Colgate, among others. Um, again, good size, 6'2", 260, having a really good season for LD Bell. I like that they are you know, focusing on local talent. They've had a couple of North Crowley players, one in 2024 class, one in 2025, um, and now 18 commits for this 2024 class. So TCU continues to go and find players locally and around the state of Texas. Tristan Johnson, your new commit, uh, the defensive lineman, was committed to UCSA. They flip him and get him uh, there on campus. Also, David Punch from uh, Harker Heights, which is in the clean area, this is basketball now, he makes a commitment to TCU, four-star power forward um, that they've been going after for a while now, and Jamie Dixon doing a really nice job on the recruiting trail. According to 247 Sports, TCU now has the number 11 ranked class uh, for the 2024 season. So, at 2024 commit list, 11th in the nation, which is crazy good for TCU basketball. Um, they're doing a really nice job recruiting the high school ranks this, this cycle, which is not something they've had a ton of success, at least from like a rankings perspective on lately. Um, so David Punch, uh, big time, power forward, and, and looks like the type of wing player that Jamie loves to have. 6'7", 205, really long, really rangy. Um, had offers from Penn State, Xavier, Colorado State, NC State. Uh, Brandon Jenkins from 247 says he's the perfect four-man for today's game. Works hard on both ends of the floor and is a skilled finisher. Goes about his business with a composed demeanor. Scores with a soft touch inside the lane. And is comfortable knocking down threes from beyond the arc. Watching some highlights from David. Really good finishing around the rim. Will go up you know, strong, uh, dunking the basketball, making plays in traffic and with somebody in that Colleen area who's been really good for Harker Harker Heights High School over the last few years. So TCU football and basketball pick up commits this weekend, um, and we'll have plenty of coverage the rest of this bye week. It's Locked on Horn Frogs, your team every day.